1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Break a Bat podcast where baseball meets Broadway an attempt to show that my two favorite mediums don't have to live in such separate worlds and maybe even break some stigmas. We're happy to have you with us. Now let's play ball. Hello and welcome to break a bat where baseball meets Broadway and sports meets show business. This is Al Malafrante coming at you from the remote batter's box and our break a Bat holiday block party. This is actually our 2021 finale. It's been an amazing year and I can't think of a better way than to uh, wrap our little holiday block party with, uh, with a special guest from the baseball world. We always love when we have the opportunity to welcome, uh, all-stars on the field, of course, but also guys who I certainly admire off of it as well. Uh, today, we're going to welcome uh, Scooter Jeanette to the show, who, uh, during his Major League playing career, has already made a uh, all-star game. He's the author of a four-home run game, and uh, I've always admired just how... Honest, he is, and I think that he and I having a conversation will really just be such a treat to all of you in our audience. So, with that being said, I ask you all to please turn your attention to home plate, just beyond the marquee. Now, batting, Scooter Jeanette. Scooter, welcome, brother. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, bro. Dude, I'm so happy to have you here. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) bro, you're all festive over there. You got your Christmas tree up in the background and everything. How are the holidays treating you and the family? Very
2: good. Very good. We, uh, we went with a fake tree this year. So in the past, uh, my wife who's right here to my left, she's about to make a beautiful meal for us, which I'm very thankful for. Um, she was upset with me every Christmas having the real tree and all the, uh, you know, droplings that the trees make when you bring them in and when you uh, take them out of the house. So she's she's very happy that we went with the fake tree this year. I'm not so happy because <laughs> I can't smell it, but um, it's all good, man.
1: <laughs> now, where in the country are you joining us from tonight, Scooter?
2: We're a little south of Tampa. So we're in the Sarasota area. Um, we're on the golf side. Uh, for People that aren't familiar with Florida. We're not on the ocean side over in Miami or Fort Lauderdale. But, um, yeah, we're, we're a little off the coast. We're probably 30 miles from the beach.
1: Okay. That's not so bad. So you ended up leaving your hometown though, how huh? you? Cause I know you were an Ohio kid growing up mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, spent quite a bit of time with the uh, Cincinnati Reds. You wanted to get out of, uh, your home state.
2: No, we actually moved, uh, me and my family, we moved to Florida when I was 10 years old. So I've been, I graduated from Sarasota high school, uh, Yeah, um, I I would consider myself from Florida, but I was born in Ohio. So uh, didn't leave my I left my home state when I was younger. And uh, actually, the first time I was back in Cincinnati when it was when I was playing the Reds when I was with the Brewers. So
1: now uh, just to touch on your childhood for a moment before we talk some baseball. Uh, You Mm -hmm. know, we're talking about your younger days. You and I were joking about names before, and our audience knows full well that uh, we have a bit of an affinity for the Muppet world here. Uh, So your nickname, (laughs) by the way, and the name that you've, uh, you know, adopted, you know, for the better part of your life here, has some Muppet ties. Can you tell the folks at home a little about the story as uh, as far as how Scooter Jeanette came to be Scooter Jeanette?
2: Yeah, what a story, right? Uh, I was probably four or five years old. And, uh, big fan of the Muppet babies, the Muppets in general. Uh, at that time I was a baby. So I was watching the Muppet babies and Scooter was my favorite character. Um, I don't know if it was him getting in trouble a lot, just being the crazy kind of character and the whole deal. But, uh, I was drawn to him and, um, I was in the car with my mom and I, Refused to put on my seatbelt, which now I know how important it is to wear your seatbelt for seatbelt safety out there. Definitely wear your seatbelt. But I wasn't having it at that age. And my mom would put it on me and uh, she would start driving and I would say, hey, mom. And I would unclick the seatbelt. And I did that three or four times and she got upset and uh, she took me to the police station. And. At that age, it's kind of weird that I would be scared of (laughs) police officers or getting arrested in general, Uh, but I was. And I made up a name, an alias or a, a fake name of Scooter Jeanette. And the police officer asked me what my name was again. And I said, Scooter. And I didn't answer to Ryan, my given name, for about a year to two years. So my teachers, my family, my friends, anyone had to call me uh, Scooter to get my attention. And it kind of just stuck from there.
1: <laughs> that <laughs> and is I so looked- great. <laughs> <laughs> it stuck. <laughs> that's amazing. I, that's very clever for a young kid to be able to think on the spot that way under pressure uh in a police station just atop <laughs> to Muffet Alias. That's great.
2: It is. It is. It's it's a little uh crazy now that I think about it, but at the time I thought it made sense. Um I actually got a chance to meet that police officer and that was in Lebanon, Ohio, uh a little outside of Tan uh or uh, Cincinnati. Um and I saw him in a signing and he gave me a little badge, a little plastic badge for uh, Lebanon uh, Sheriff's Department there. And, yeah, just it's crazy how, you know, everything kind of ends up going for full circle.
1: <laughs> it really is. Wow. Holy no. cow. That's a, that's amazing, Scooter. And uh, now let me ask you, I know that you ha- you've sat out the last two major league seasons this offseason. Are you like, are you doing a lot of work? Down in Florida, you're hitting in the cage still, you know, with the desire to play in 2022?
2: You know, I'm making sure that I can still hit and throw and run and all that stuff. Um, but honestly, I reached a point in my career, I uh, tore, my, tore my groin completely off the bone in 2019, the last day of spring training. And uh, it was a tough year. And I battled back, got healthy. I thought I was healthy. I think I ended up with maybe around 200 at-bats that year, a little less, and I hit like crap. And I didn't get many offers that I thought were uh, what I was deserving of coming off an all-star year, whatever else, you know, I don't want to make any excuses. It was just, I, I played like crap in 2019, and it was a tough year, and then 2020... COVID kind of hit. It was a tough time with everything, uh, everything in the world. Everyone was, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a weird time and, um, I didn't get any offers. I felt were good. And then all of a sudden spring training's canceled and, um, you know, we have things coming out with the Astros stuff and, uh it just craziness, really craziness. And it was kinda easy for me to be like, you know what? Let me just break off from the last twenty, nine years of my life and baseball being everything and me, you know, chasing that that life and that dream. And let's get to family and normal living. And for me it was a nice transition and it made it very easy for me to make that transition with all the things coming out with COVID, all, all those sorts of things. So uh, now two years later being removed from that or a year and a half, it's, I'm happy. Um am uh, missing baseball. I'm missing being a part of it. Team teammates, all those sorts of things. Um, but I'm, I'm happy and I'm okay being where I'm at. So you know, it's a, it's a very, very tough question. It's, it's hard for me to really explain it unless we had a lot more time, but at the end of the day, I'm happy. I'm, I'm okay with being where I'm at. I'm looking forward to, uh, meeting my son, Calvin, our first child in the middle of February. Um, yeah, just, just I'm very happy, very blessed and, and very comfortable with where I'm at.
1: And obviously, uh, I can only imagine what a transition it's been because you had reached such a level of stardom especially your 2018 season. I mean in even 2017 you had a four home run game and everything. It's like you had you had accomplished so much, you know, in a relatively short period of time and then to kind of uh you know have the world turn upside down. It, it, the fact that you sound so content and so happy is very refreshing to hear. Um, you mentioned everything going on with the Astros, even though you haven't been on the field, you did make some news recently in a way that I think a lot of New Yorkers in our audience certainly got behind. Um, you had some choice Uh, words about Carlos Correa recently. Were you surprised by the amount of positive reception you received for saying something that a lot of people wouldn't have the guts to say?
2: You know, honestly, I, I didn't want all that. I kind of use, uh, Twitter and my wife hates it. Um, (laughs) she's giving me a look. She, she hates when I tweet stuff out, but I use Twitter as pretty much my only outlet to actually speak my mind in a way, you know, like we have, everyone has things they don't agree with. Everyone has things that they can get behind or whatever else. But nowadays with social media and stuff like that, and you're so limited to what you could say in certain professions and workplaces and all that all that good stuff that I use Twitter just as a way to kind of speak my mind, and I know a lot of people aren't gonna agree with it. I know that when I have that check mark next to my name, there's gonna be a bunch of people that have opinions and they, they don't know you they don't know me they don't know you know they don't know anything um, but I use it as a way to just kind of get things off my chest and do I use the right words all the time? No. Um but I know a lot of people probably especially from Houston and um you know supporters of the Astros probably had a problem with that tweet, but for me that was the truth. And how many letters I get to put one tweet out, which is what, I don't know how many, but it's not many. Uh maybe two paragraphs, something like that. So for me that that was it in a nutshell. Um, I never thought that people were doing that, uh, for me, when you know what pitch is coming, it completely changes everything with the game. And I don't agree with it. I don't know them personally, anyone involved. All I do know is that I, I just disagree with it and that's really it. And I think it's bad for the game and that's it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Dude, I'm a Yankee fan first, but excuse me, I'm a baseball fan first. Even though I'm a mm-hmm. Yankee fan, I got a lot of grief from my buddies this past ALCS when I was actually rooting for the Red Sox over the Astros and I think the problem is and and you know, the guys that are left over from that 2017-2019 core, they just have this smug way about them. Correa especially. And the thing that bothered me the most and I'm curious to hear how you feel about this, the way Rob Manfred protected them from the get-go did that piss you off as a player who went out there and did it the right way
2: so like i said before i wasn't so i was not done in my mind i was getting some offers that to me weren't worth it and when i say that i don't mean that i'm not thankful for being able to play in the big leagues you know i'm so thankful. It's a dream come true. It's everything that I ever wanted when I was a kid. Um, But you start to see how things work when you're actually a part of it and you get to see behind the scenes. And when we're talking behind the scenes of major league baseball, we're talking about a lot of things that you wouldn't know unless you're there. Um, And there's not like crazy Corruption or any of that, what I'm talking about, none none of that. It's just, you got a union that is a really good union. You have major league baseball and then you have all the teams in between and the teams are work trying to work with both. But for me, Rob Manford, is he the one to blame? I don't know. I don't know if it's the other part, if it's maybe the union was so good that they protected those players You know, so I wasn't a part of it, though. So I can't really speak for how everything ended up and they didn't get suspended or this or that. All I can do is speak for where I'm at now and the fact that they knew what pitch was coming for however amount of time. If it was more than one game or two games, then to me, that's too many. and. They just shouldn't be playing baseball.
1: And you had no clue while you were playing it when you would face Houston that nothing was fishy, even when you'd go there as an opponent?
2: I didn't go there. We only played them... So I was in the NL Central my whole career, pretty much, um, other than when I got traded to San Francisco. But So we didn't play them that much. Um, I played the Yankees... Three times maybe in my career I played the Astros two different times three different times um, I can't really think of a time where we played them that I was worried at all but what I can say is I had no clue at all that it was going on and I found out in 2020 you know after my last year in 2019 what was going on and to me, it made it pretty easy not to want to be a part of that, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff going on. Cause if it's happening there, where else is it happening? I mean, there's so many questions that you could think of that to me, like I'm a, I'm a baseball player. I respect the game. I love the game. Um, I was brought up to respect the game and respect every player that came before me. And if we're not doing that, We know what pitches come in. I mean, that's that's like one of the worst. You can talk pine tar or like I have the pitchers back being a hitter, knowing if it's an off-speed pitch or not. For me, that takes me from a 300 hitter to a 400 hitter. Maybe with some bad luck, a 380 hitter, you know. that's That's just complete, you know, just yeah. – Yeah. I mean, like it it hurts me. Like it hurts my heart.
1: (laughs) Well, you know what it is? Those 2017, 2018, and then, you know, they were still doing something fishing in 2019, but those were your peak seasons, at least 2017 and 2018. mm -hmm. Um, Oh, yeah.
2: For me, like what people don't know on the social media side or anybody that disagreed with that tweet is I was directly affected by that. Because for me in 2017, the only better player in my position was Jose Altuve. Now, I don't know if he was doing it or what, but in general, that affected what I got paid in 2018, in 2019. So, but I'm not, you know, I'm not complaining. I'm super blessed and super lucky to have had the experiences I've had playing Major League Baseball and making my dream come true. Um, the only reason why I tweeted that out, one, like I said before, was to just kind of get things off my chest, but two, baseball, the integrity of the game. Um, I don't think anybody should ever forget about what they did or what maybe other teams were doing at the time. And just to me, the Pete Rose stuff, the Shoeless Joe Jackson, he threw a game. And never was able to play baseball ever again. He threw a game. He lost the game on purpose. They were winning games and cheating. Yeah. So It, should, it, should, like it shouldn't be, for, to me, the fact that my tweet created enough, like all that stuff, to me is a concern. Because I'm just really talking like anybody else that has played baseball or loves the game.
1: Well, the thing is, I think that a lot of active players are afraid because um I mean, just look at Joe Kelly, for example, with the Dodgers who threw at him. he got a six game suspension, and you know it's, I feel like they're just afraid of the discipline and the wrath of Rob Manford, who's trying to protect them.
2: Well, um, that was the beauty of me not not playing at the time. I could kinda do or say whatever I want, and I try not to take advantage of that or make it to where I'm trying to draw attention to myself. I just want things to be better than they are. So there was a deal and my wife talked to me about it today where there was a time in 2000. So the first year they had the COVID, whatever delay of spring training and everyone was like, all right, are all the Astros just going to be hit every game? And I knew that there was a deal where, if you hit these guys, we're thinking you're doing it on purpose to where there was guys that were scared to hit them or pitch inside and maybe hit them on accident. And then they get suspended. I knew that was going on. And I'm like, man, like I'm glad I'm not in those meetings. Cause I'd be saying something like, Oh, this is just a bunch of bullshit, but I get it at the same time. And what's crazy to me though, is that, <laughs> If I was that, if I was any of those hitters, anybody on the Astros, I would be kind of in the back of my mind worried about maybe getting hit, right? Which changes your at-bat. And I looked at the hit by pitches and the Houston Astros were in like the bottom of all teams that were getting hit by pitches that year. And it was like halfway through that shortened season. And I was just like, (laughs) how is this (laughs) possible, you know? I know that there's a lot of guys that are – they don't forget. Pitchers don't forget. That's one thing, especially a relief pitcher that doesn't pitch, you know, as many innings. They don't forget. And I just think baseball is a – it's a man – you know, it's a man's game. There's a lot of females that love baseball, but it's a man's game. And, you know, the game usually polices itself. And now we're getting to a point to where now – you say I can't hit this guy and now my grudge just lasts longer. And it and it just is, it's changing and baseball's evolving into it's not policing itself, you know? And, and that's a concern of mine, but at the same time, like if we left at old school baseball, they would have been hit for a month and been fine. You know, we got helmets that 110 miles per hour, right in the dome. I'll just go to first base and be fine. Like, but that didn't happen. And, you know, it's just crazy. Just just crazy to me. And I don't wish any harm on anyone. But the game of baseball is a rough game. And you get hit. You know, there's someone that doesn't like you. They're going to drill you. And maybe you fight. Maybe there's a bench clear. You know, that's, that's the game. That's the game that I love. And I just, I don't know. I see that kind of going away
1: did you ever walk up to the plate knowing that you were going to get drilled because of like retaliation or something like that?
2: Um, <laughs> not by anything I did. Uh, but there was a year with the brewers where we were in a few bench clears. Um, and I felt like I could get hit because of whatever X, Y, and Z, maybe some I did, I but yeah. And, and you're just basically taking a pitch you know, and then if they're not trying to hit you, you're down 0-1, which you see the stats on when you're 0-1 compared to 1-0, you know, that at back, you just, you know, you're 0 for 1 at that point. So uh, I've been in some situations like that, but for me, if you're playing the game the right way you're playing it hard, you're hustling, you're trying to win, um, you shouldn't be in positions like that. Uh, But at times, you know, with rivalries and stuff like that, it, organically comes out, Uh, I think that's good for the game. But, you know, when you talk about certain cheating things, you know, you look at like A-Rod when he came back in that Fenway. And I think it was Bronson Arroyo who I played with, who's like the nicest guy. I mean, he's awesome. He's like, I got to hit this dude. You know, like, I mean, he didn't say that, but like, you could see it. And then A-Rod talks crap, you know, and, and, but if you're doing things the right way, playing the game the right way a rob was doing that at that time bronson arroyo has no reason to hit him you know so that's how i look at it i mean if you're if you're trying to create an edge here and there we can call it cheating whenever you want um you could just do without that and play the game the right way natural and have a great time
0: That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes.
1: ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No by Over 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Scooter, I love how down to earth you are. You're obviously super humble guy. Uh, I do have to know. Do you have anything on display in the house from the four home run game?
2: Uh, I do. I do. So the Reds were awesome. MLB was awesome at that that experience. Uh, how do I explain that day? So it was about 40 minutes after a shower. They took my, they wanted my tape. They wanted everything, you know, anything and, and asked me, Hey, are you willing to give up this and that and this and that? And the Jersey was the Reds property and my bat was mine. I mean, all these certain things. Um, uh, we're coming up, but it was, it was really cool. I donated my bat to the baseball Fame, Um, my Jersey gloves, the ball, all that, the Reds put in a nice little shadow box for me. I mean, it was, it was great how it was handled, but it took like an hour and a half after the game ended for me to come out. And my wife was just like, Hey, good game. Let's go home. And I was like, good game. Like this is (laughs) (laughs) once in a lifetime. I I mean, I hit two home runs in one game and that was enough for me. You know what I mean? And she was just like, it was a normal game. and Let's go home.
1: (laughs) How hard were you trying for a third and then, of course, a fourth once you were coming up to the plate?
2: Honestly, after... So I went to... to The crazy thing about the game, I went into that game, one for my last 18 at-bats. And my last hit was my last at bat entering that game. And it was a jam shot over the shortstop's head. Like, I'm not feeling good about myself at all. I mean, I'm one for 18 with a jam shot. And my first at bat, jam shot, base hit, RBI. And then it, yeah, just home run, whatever. So after the second home run, I'm like, we already won the game. I mean, there's no pressure. There's no, none of that. Um, And then after the third home run, I'm like, Oh, like, wow. All right. Am I going to get another at bat? And I ended up getting another at bat in the eighth inning. And I just, there was probably a quarter of the crowd left, you know, people were leaving, but then that five to 10,000 people that were there at that time were like all there for my, to see if I was going to hit four. And I could feel it, and they were like excited. And I was just like, all right, calm down. Just don't try to hit a home run because that never works, at least for me. So I went with that approach. And then um, after the first, so he threw me a just a right down the middle fastball that I took. And I'm like, because I didn't think they were going to give me anything to hit. And I'm like, man, I should have probably hit that. I'm probably screwed now. You know, I'm not going to get any good pitches to hit. And threw me another fastball and I swung and like my batting glove. I don't know if this ever happened to you. My batting glove got stuck in my hand. And I like, I'm a normal one hand release guy, but I couldn't release. And it was just like a weird swing. It looked like I over swung and I might've, but I wasn't trying to. And then I got two strikes, I'm like, there's no way he's going to throw me another fastball. And then he did, and boom, get on
1: top of it, home run. Unbelievable. I mean, mm-hmm. you, and, you, and what's it feel like when you're going around the bases at that point? Do you just feel like you're, like... like well, I, thought you, I, oh, go ahead.
2: I thought at first, round and first base, maybe I'm dreaming. You know, I have, I've had some good dreams, had some bad dreams. But at first, I thought I was dreaming a little bit, so I kind of, like, shook my head you know, almost like pinched myself, like, all right, wake up. Like, and then I was like, all right, this is real. And it was just, yeah, it was just one of those crazy moments. I mean, you think about, um, I dreamed about playing for the Reds. Um, I mean, just, just pretty amazing stuff. Um, as a Christian guy, as a, you know, uh, guy of faith, the God fearing individual, um, God was presenting himself that night. Maybe, uh, obviously to me and what I was feeling, but maybe there was somebody there that's like, why is this little guy hitting four home runs? Like, what's going on? You know, um, it was one of those moments. It was it was special,
1: for sure. And, you know, the following year, there you are at the All-Star mm-hmm. game. I mean, all things considered, you're still a relatively young guy, but if you look back on that, like, two-year period that you had in the major leagues, you know, between 2017 making, you know, hitting the four home runs and then making the all-star game in 2018 was aside from winning a championship. Do you feel like you accomplished everything that you really wanted to?
2: Uh, that's, that's a good question. Um, I would start off with making it to the big leagues was for me and my, my main dream and goal. Most of my life, um, getting there, it was like, all right, let's stay. Let's, let's, let's do this. Let's make a career out of it, make some money and hopefully be able to maybe buy a house and, you know, be financially set, all those sorts of things. Um, making an all-star team was always a goal. And for me with the Brewers, I, I, I didn't really get up in that position as like a top prospect to just play every day. Um, I came up, Ricky Weeks, one of my favorite teammates that I ever played with. He was on a deal with the Brewers, and it was like a platoon situation. And, you know, it was just tough, and I didn't really get a fair shake of facing lefties. And uh, always been labeled at a, as a platoon guy. And then I get DFA'd, picked up by the Reds, and work my way into the everyday lineup, hit the four home runs. And uh, the manager at the time, Brian Price, was like, you know, I, I got to play the guy tomorrow you know, that, that, that was the situation that I was, that I was in. And I don't mean that like, Oh, pity me. That that's just, that's just what it is with baseball. I mean, if you're not a top prospect, you got to earn every little bit of playing time or um, money that you get. And, and I did that. And that, that, at the end of the day, to answer your question of, did I do everything that I wanted to do? I would say yes. In a sense of, you know, I, went after it. I earned it. Um, I was never underpaid. I was never a big name guy that you would say is overpaid. Uh, I was just a guy that, that played hard, played the right way in my mind and, you know, made, made a decent living.
1: Scooter. It's so refreshing to talk to guys, you know, from the big leagues who just have such a, such a great outlook Like you do Um, before we play a game really quickly. I do want to get your thoughts on uh, the lockout that we have right now. Do you see this being a long-term thing? Do you think we're going to miss any games in the 2022 season?
2: No, no, I, I don't. Um, At the end of the day, like I said, I'm not in those union meetings anymore. Um, I guess I'm still a part of it in a way, Uh, but we're the show. You know, we're, the players are the show. So if you think of it very simply as a circus, you take away the elephant, you take away the tiger, you take away the clowns, you take away, the, you know, the people walking on the line. Um, what what show do you have, right? So, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. There'll, there'll be a season. Um, I hope it's for baseball. I hope it's done quickly. I hope they can resolve everything. But at the end of the day, um the union protects the players and protects the game and tries to, and MLB does the same in their own way. But um, yeah, I I definitely wouldn't be worried about it lasting too long.
1: Well, that sounds like the, uh, the positivity that we need to, play fastball derby with the scooter and listen okay. you've accomplished a ton on the field but now it's about to get tough you're going to be back in that batter's box a right. chapman is on the mound throwing 105 miles an hour you got to think quick bring home the winning run i'm going to ask you a question you tell me the first thing that comes to your mind and maybe a story or two if you find them fitting and uh, yeah try to bring home that winning run how does that sound that sounds good i'm All ready right. let's do it batter up all right. From your trips to New York, what's your favorite New York City meal?
2: I say the Halal Brothers, the little side deal where they have the, uh, you know, the little uh, hot dog stand type of thing. That's my yeah.
1: favorite. The Halal Brothers. Yeah, 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 there we go. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Cheap, cheap and fast. Yeah. <laughs> Toughest pitcher you ever had to face. Felix Hernandez. Fact about Scooter Jeanette that would surprise people the most.
2: Uh, I am, I got an AP credit in high school for pottery, ceramics, throwing on the wheel and making pots and stuff like that.
1: Wow, you're a creative guy, huh? A little bit. You ever do any like performing on stage, like in drama clubs or anything like that in high school?
2: No, I wasn't. I think it would have been fun, um, but I wasn't. No, I went more into the art, like physical art, not
1: uh, acting art. An AP credit. That's awesome, man. And that's surprising and freaking cool. Very nice. Pretty cool. I'm proud of it. (laughs) We're in the heart of the holidays. What is your favorite holiday tradition? Hmm. um
2: other than maybe a secret santa type deal i would say christmas eve opening up one gift with the close-knit family
1: i like that that's great um on the subject of christmas what is your favorite claymation christmas special
2: claymation. So like Rudolph and all that stuff. Yeah, I would probably say Rudolph, where the they got the guy, the monster guy, the the ice monster guy,
1: and Snowman. Yep, <laughs> that,
2: that or Christmas Vacation. That's not claymation, but Christmas Vacation's always every year for me.
1: That's a staple. Yeah, absolutely. Anything Chevy Chase, man. It's just a staple. Yeah. <laughs> Um, teammate you learned the most from? Hard question.
2: Um, Like I said, Ricky Weeks was solid for me because that's when I first got there. I would say Ricky just because that was supposed to be my competitor at the position and all that. Um, And I quickly learned that Man, there's there's good people, there's bad people, there's positions you can be in that you think are bad. And um he surprised me at how accepting he was for me. But man, I played with a lot of good ones. Joey Votto's a solid one. Um man, so many. But Ricky's definitely up there.
1: Wow. Yeah, you did you certainly play with quite the uh you talk about with Joey Votto, what a character he was, but great, great player for sure. I, re, I re, I'm really pulling awesome, for him yeah, to reach the and whole one,
2: one quick thing I could say about Joey is, uh, obviously from the outside, you see him on TV and kind of, you know, he's a character, like you said, he does certain things, you know, hitting the squashing the balloon out, you know, at, uh, uh, in LA or what, you know, he does a lot of, a lot of stuff, but at the end of the day, that guy's super solid and a really good dude behind the scenes, which I really respect because a lot of people do things in front of the camera and donate whatever else or, you know, do their charity thing, but he's doing a lot of things that people don't know that um, are really cool.
1: Strangest place you've ever been recognized.
2: (laughs) Um, Honestly, at my, uh, my house in front of my house uh a guy showed up he was gonna do maybe an electrical job and he had the wrong address and he was a cincinnati fan and recognized me and it was just so weird and random and one of those kind of maybe you know god put it then that you know a- a him in my life at that time and i signed something for him and Uh, Seemed like it made his day, which is nice. But yeah, I would say in my driveway, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind
1: of weird, you know, but. (laughs) Oh, man, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right. Now, this is the one that we use to wrap every break of bat. What is the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? Hmm.
2: Baseball related, I would say that and who told me it? one of my coaches when I was younger, he said that basically a short little quote would be, There's a lot of players that came before you, and there's gonna be a lot more that come after you, so just respect that and play the game the right way. And that's baseball related. And that, that that's kind of something that I always, that was my approach to anything baseball or team related that, that I got to respect my teammates. I got to respect people that, you know, fought for the game before me, and then also try to help the future of the game. Um, but a life quote or life advice, I would say my dad, um, at an early age, he said, whatever you're into, try to be the best at it. You know, if you're, or actually to get in more detail, he said, if you're going to do something, give it your best.
1: Scooter, you are such a class act. My well, man, and honestly, I can't even tell you how much I, I enjoyed I, hang it. Yeah, man.
2: Class act I am, but.
1: <laughs> you know, the not, Yankees could use some help in the infield. I hope that uh, you might consider, uh, I don't know, maybe. Uh,
2: maybe for the right price. You know, you never know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dude, this was absolutely awesome. I just, you know, I wish you and your family, you know, such a happy holiday season and everything. And thank you so much for coming Appreciate on that. tonight, bro. It was awesome,
2: absolutely. And a like three, uh, two plugs I want to make. Two plugs. That please it. do. One, if any amateur ball players out there want a good quality wood bat, literally the best bat that they can probably buy for a cheaper price, uh, Showbats. That's a company that I own personally. Um, I use show bats in the big leagues cause that was the best way that I knew I was getting the best bat I could use. You would think being in the big leagues, you would get the best woods, just not how it works. Um, so any, anybody out there listening that wants a good bat, we're not going to make money off of you. We'll just get you a good bat. We sponsor a couple travel ball teams. Uh, so there's that. And then one from the charity side and from, uh, anybody that likes autographs or memorabilia, um, trove for charity just got that going uh good guy adam out of ohio who owns the trove sports den i don't know if you saw any of that on my socials and all that that i was doing uh we just raised six grand for charities and that was just a little holiday deal it's first year we're hoping to bring more you know get some get some bigger and better stuff in so just wanted to say those two things
1: well, you know, Scooter, we do have some baseball moms in our audience. So what we're going to have to do is I think uh, we're going to have to throw a link in for show bats for uh, yeah, and them to check honestly, out.
2: When I say the best bats, I mean, literally the wood I was using. We have 100 billets and we can order more. Um, but yeah, literally the, those bats shouldn't break unless they're facing over 85 mile per hour pitching. So you won't have to buy more bats. That's kind of the whole idea.
1: <laughs> I love that. I love that. Now, uh, for the folks at home who do want to connect with the on, uh, social media scooter, where's the best p- place for them to find you?
2: Uh, S Jeanette too. Um, uh, yeah. On Twitter and Instagram.
1: That's two N's and two T's in Jeanette folks. Yeah. Just so you know. D E N N
2: E T T S Jeanette two.
1: Perfect. Dude. Thank you again. This was an absolute blast.
2: Yeah. And you were awesome. I, you know, I, uh, I really appreciate you having me, but you're you're a good dude. You ask the right questions. You care about the game, and uh, I respect that and appreciate that. So, thank you.
1: Oh, thanks, Scooter. I appreciate you saying that, and uh, mm-hmm. I appreciate uh, all the batheads in our audience who made twenty twenty one so special, and 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 you know, being a part of this holiday block party with us, and all the the cool stuff that we got to do with this podcast this year. Uh, We will be back probably in late January with new episodes for the folks at home. So be sure to subscribe. Uh, In the meantime, catch up on all the fun. Obviously this, uh, if you enjoyed this chat with Scooter, there's uh, a lot of other great ones just like this and uh, so appreciative of all the support. So with that being said, for the final time in 2021, this is Al Malafrante signing off from the batter's box. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Break a Bat. This is produced by the fine folks at the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit and subscribe at bpn.fm slash breakabat. You can find me online at break underscore a underscore bat underscore podcast. And you can also find the Broadway Podcast Network on Instagram at Broadway Podcast Network. It's been so great having you here with us today and we'll see you next time.